0: Welcome, ironradio.org listeners. This is Lonnie Lowry. I'm a nutritionist and an exercise physiology professor, and I'm a former competitive bodybuilder. And this is
1: Phil Stevens. I'm a strength coach, powerlifter, run strength field, lift for um, And with us today, as everybody knows, because they've been all over the Facebook page screaming about it, we got Jim Windler. Jim, thanks for joining us again.
2: Phil, Lonnie, I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Blah, 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 blah. Blah,
1: blah. <laughs> <laughs> So, and Lonnie, you got a little bit of news. I got some news just popped up on my screen. So tomorrow is Christine Zane's birthday. That's Frank Zane's daughter. That's big news.
0: It just popped up on my screen. So It's going to rock the lifting world. Yep. All right. Hey, I have one little uh, piece of listener mail. Rob sent it to me. Strength and Muscle Sport News. Uh, I don't know if I should let people see behind the curtain too much, but Rob will send me stuff. If it's like nutrition-related, I get emails like this, Lonnie, with a question mark. (laughs) That's all he sends. But here's what it says. Greetings, guys. First, let me say I love your show. You have a terrific mix of personalities and perspectives. Constantly interesting and informative. Keep up the good work. I also want to mention how pumped I got when I realized that Phil has an MFA. My wife and I both have uh, art degrees and work in the arts in New York City. She's a librarian. I'm a commercial freelance artist. We both lift, and believe me, finding someone else who cares about the iron game in the art world is extremely rare. Uh, My question is for Lonnie, I guess. It involves protein and nutrition. I work with a few vegetarians, and we often get into some pretty intense discussions about diet, health, etc. One thing that popped up recently is the work of T. Colin Campbell and his book The China Study, uh, and also the documentary Forks Over Knives. The book in particular is kind of a vegan Bible, I gather, and levels some pretty harsh accusations against animal protein for causing heart disease, cancer, etc. Basically, it lays the blame for all the so-called Western diseases at the feet of meat, specifically. You guys are dead. You guys are so dead. At the feet of meat, specifically. And I found some pretty damning critiques of his work online, but it's hard to evaluate the quality of the sources online, so I thought I would bring the question to my favorite protein expert. Are you familiar with Campbell's work? Is it taken seriously in the nutrition community? Are his concerns worth further investigation? The guy seems a little obsessed uh, to be an objective researcher, blah, blah, blah. In short, the guy worked at Cornell. I'm only vaguely familiar with his work. I think he was active in the 90s. He actually published some papers, a lot of it about China and about how they eat very little meat and that sort of thing. A couple of things come to mind. One.
2: Well, plus they all dress like they're from Reservoir Dogs, too, so that's awesome.
0: <laughs> <laughs> One, life is a terminal condition, right? I mean, don't drink milk, don't eat eggs, can't have beer, uh, you know, all this stuff is so bad for you. And it just goes on and on, so you got to keep that in mind. Two, epidemiology, which I understand he mostly did. That's big population-based correlational studies. It's not cause and effect, uh, and that sort of thing. For example, I think he's shown some data about low lower cholesterol levels and that sort of thing but that's hugely genetic uh your cholesterol levels are probably more driven by your genes than by meats that you eat you know and i don't think anybody's going to argue that eating your veggies is good um but so epidemiology the kind that kind of research is not cause and effect real science i think um you got to be skeptical even of your own opinion. So if there is this big book that came out of some of his research, you know, you got to be skeptical of your own thoughts too. And whether or not they are holding up to cause and effect kinds of rigor, you know, if it's, if it's not holding up, you can't just keep going with something because it feels good or sells books. You know, if it, if it's bullshit, then it's bullshit. And I'm not saying his work is, I'm just saying it's, it's not particularly cause and effect. So is he taken seriously in the nutrition community? Uh, Well, in the 90s, he published some stuff. Uh, I don't know what else to say about that. I don't hear talk about his work all the time. Um, Are his concerns worth further investigation? I suppose, but I think a lot of the take-home stuff is its not cause and effect. It's from another country. They have different lifestyles, physical activity, different gene pool. There's lots of things going on uh, with that. And your comment uh, about the guy seeming obsessed with making a point, again, I think that's the cardinal sin in science. If that is in fact how his stuff comes off, and I haven't read it, but if all he's trying to do is make a single point and he's blind to other things, you know, since then, of course, there's been plenty of research about protein not being responsible for heart disease, including animal protein. Uh, there's lots of there's good things in meats like zoochemicals, I mean, creatine, carnosine, there's good stuff in meat. Beyond that, I would suggest you just uh, <laughs> get my book on protein there's a whole chapter there's a whole chapter on protein in the rhythm. Uh, Hey, Lonnie, uh,
2: can I, can I let me say something real quick here it's, uh you see this all the time in, in the fitness world especially not so much with the strength world as in maybe what phil and i and, and what you did with with bodybuilding Lonnie, because uh, that's a whole different sect it's a whole different sect i've learned to realize this than a general population okay does everyone kind of understand what i'm saying like, mm-hmm. if you want to bench press 500 pounds without a shirt, your diet and training is going to be way different than the dude who's popping around doing CrossFit,
1: mm-hmm. okay,
2: and just trying to get in shape. But In general, for the general public, you know, you have one side of the coin that says, you know, all animal protein will, it's going to give you AIDS, uh, your dick's going to get small, you know, and then you have the other side, like the Atkins side, like, you know, eat 5 million pounds of bacon. And where is the answer, Lonnie? It's usually where? Right in the middle. Yeah, yeah. Right, For the general. I mean, it's like you can have some steak, but twenty nine thousand pounds of it every week. It's it's, it's just funny that there's alarmists on both sides, and it's you know it's awesome because uh, you know nature is does it too. Nature as a whole always brings things to equilibrium. It's bringing the pendulum back to center, and you see it all the time. You know, for years and years it was cardio, right, and now like uh, in the past ten years, cardio worst thing in the goddamn world, right. Yeah. And you, and you see it with carbs. Carbs were the big thing, and then there was a massive backlash against carbs. And now everyone's like, you know what? Some carbs aren't so bad. So uh, let's eat some carbs. The yeah. problem is, is you got to have when you have one statement being made that's so brash, you got to have another one, because that equals everything out. That's yeah. you see it. If you've been in this game long enough, you just kind of laugh this shit off after a while. Yeah. You know, it's just and like the uh, the, the remember the Warrior Diet that came out like a million years ago. Oh yeah. Now, what does that mean? Reply packages, what uh, what do they call that now? Uh, They eat all the food at night. I can't remember
1: what that means. Oh,
2: yeah. I don't know.
1: Night?
2: Yeah. I don't know what it's called. But, you know, and then so everyone asks a million questions about that. You can always tell how long someone's been in the game when they start asking you questions about a fad. You're
0: like,
2: ah, you, you, you don't remember this back 15 years ago.
0: Right. So, and, yeah, this is the second or third time that it's come around sometimes, you know.
2: Yeah. So I,
0: I guess what I'm trying to
2: say is, and I don't, I don't want to, you know, you're much more of a diet expert than I am, but when you're talking about the general public, you know, just don't eat a lot of shit. Enjoy a Twinkie every once in a while, but you don't have to eat, you know, 500 of those.
0: Right. Yeah. Lifters, if you're interested in lifters and meat, you know, we might have more reason to eat meat than the general public. You know, they yeah. don't need 25 grams of protein or more at a time. And they don't have the same goals. And their kidneys work no. differently. Everything's different. It's a different population. So that's a good point.
2: Yeah. And, and it's, you know, it's funny because, you know, Lonnie, you are a your, your main thing is diet. And, I, and I'm probably going to make you really mad right here. But you know, I played football for a huge chunk of my life huge chunk of my life and not a single guy ate anything healthy when I was playing like he occasionally <laughs> ate an apple but it had caramel, you know, caramel on it and I saw millions of dudes I mean literally probably hundreds hundreds and hundreds of guys out their diet now granted yeah. they're genetically gifted uh, and all that stuff but I saw it all the time and yeah. for them they could out train anything you know you just spend enough time no hold well, on but that that So when I hear people say you can't out-train your diet, I completely agree if that's for the general population. But I have seen it a million times where, like, you know, a lot of guys can't. But I've seen it enough where I'm like, you know what? You run around for uh, 25 years every day for four hours, you know, you you can have a lot more blizzards than the average dude. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. So I I guess what I'm trying to hear is such a discrepancy between the freaks or the people that train like freaks than the person that does works out three times a week and they may think they're working out pretty hard, but they don't really know. And it's just a huge discrepancy. And I've really started to realize that, you know, so when you, when I read an article, I'm like, well, who are these people trying to get to? And then I don't get mad anymore. I'm like, this guy's a fucking idiot. You know, you can't just do that. And I realized, well, you know, he's talking to someone who wants to, you know, maybe one day pull 300 pounds. And I'm like, well, you know, then that's, you know, it's like, I remember Phil telling me a story about some guy who said, you know, an all time PR he pulled like 450 or something and he did it using the paleo diet and he was screaming, that's the only way to get strong. And that's literally, that's less than half of the world record. That's like a guy running, running a hundred meter dash in like uh, 25 seconds. (laughs) You know? You like, I know how to get fast. It's like, no, you don't. You don't know how to be fast. So I I guess, and I, I don't mean to poop on diet or anything, what I'm trying to make a point is, You know, you have to distinguish on who your audience is or who the writers are writing
0: to. No, absolutely. Well, that's population specificity, right? A good science person, that's what they're going to do is say, who am I studying? You know, who does this apply to? Let me give you a quote. Here's a quote from, uh, because of the listener asked, from one of Campbell's papers from 98, American Journal of Cardiology. Um, It says, fat intake in rural China uh, was less than half of that in the United States. Fiber intake was three times higher. Animal protein intake was very low, only 10% of the U.S. intake. And then he goes on to say that their cholesterol levels were 127 milligrams per deciliter in China versus 203 here. Uh, and again, all that stuff, like you said, Jim, the, po- the population may not translate over to us, uh, you know, or people who specifically lift for muscle mass or strength. Uh, And it's not cause and effect. There are a hundred things, you know, you make the point, Jim, that you could dump a lot of garbage into a really great machine, and if the training stimulus is good enough, you still make progress, as long as there's calories and protein, you know, fuel and building blocks.
1: Well, yeah, look at the average lifestyle of someone in China compared to someone here. You know, they're actually outside working, whereas the average person here doesn't and if they had access, you know, if they had access to something besides rice and bok choy, they'd probably eat. See, it. Uh, <laughs> they agreed,
0: don't. agreed. Right? Why don't they eat more animal protein? It's because they don't have it. You know, yes. they don't have access to it. And I'm not being, um, I'm not trying to be ethnocentric here. It's probably true. What's expensive in the grocery store? It's protein. You know, mm-hmm. and when you grow up in rural China and you don't you may not have enough money, you're going to eat what's available, which is more, probably more vegetables and that. sort And again, yeah. nobody's saying eating veggies is bad. Nobody's saying yeah. having better antioxidant status in your diet is bad. But this stuff isn't cause and effect because any any outcome uh, in the population of interest is going to be a huge sort of amalgam of a hundred different things. You know, yeah. and diet could be one, like you said, physical activity. Phil, you and I were talking just the other week. About how there's a lot of um, people in the U.S. and a lot of uh, Asian countries where they want to be small, yeah. you know and again, I'm not making broad generalizations. I'm just saying when you go to other countries, especially certain Asian countries, everybody is not trying to look like Arnold Schwarzenegger, or Sylvester Stallone or you know some of our muscle heroes from the '80s. You know they don't want that. They don't even want it. So well, you've got 73 people living in a hut together. You can't be there. <laughs> I, you know? Again, it's not causative factors. A thousand things, you know.
2: Yeah. Phil Phil Stevens, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Phil Stevens at gmail.com. <laughs> yeah. so, uh,
1: no, I think you're right. Let's let's move on. I think that was a good one. But uh, um, the, our other bit of news was that Casey Viator died. Um, he passed away yesterday. It looks like. For people who don't know, he's popular for the Colorado experiment. The Arthur Jones stuff where he gained, like, 63 pounds of muscle and lost 19 pounds of fat in 12 workouts. He was also, what, the number 1970 Mr. America, stuff like that. But, um, you know, another kind of legend passes away in the uh, strength game.
0: A lot of these guys were the the people in the magazines when I grew up. You know, I'm watching my heroes. I'm old enough to watch my heroes die. It's sort of depressing. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, too young, like Jim said, way too young. Yep. Other than that, we're going to talk to Jim.
1: You know, that's what this show is about. We've had you on. This is number three or four, I think it was. And this time, instead of coming in with a topic, I just threw it out there to all the listeners and asked them to ask some questions. And uh, we'll roll with that. Uh, I'll start off with a uh, – no, I don't want to start with that because I don't want to piss you off right away. Here's one. Here's a good one. What are your thoughts on the rise of raw powerlifting, especially the influx of female lifters of late?
2: I'd be diplomatic about this. Um, I think it's good. I think people should lift however they want to lift. Uh, I'll be honest; I haven't really kept up a ton uh, on uh, on either. Like I'll, I'll usually someone will forward me a video. I saw a video of uh, Dan Green, who's a goddamn freak of nature. Uh, straight leg deadlifting six fifteen, I think, for six reps today. And I enjoy watching it. You know, as far as like the the impact on powerlifting, I think it's good. I think it's good for that people have more options. Um, I think it's kind of cool because it's it kind of you know brings back some of the old days. And I think some of our you know how I grew up. uh, You know, there was I didn't even know gear existed until I uh, after college. I had no idea there was a bench shirt. So I I was and you know I remember reading a powerlifting USA. Uh, when I was in college, and I slipped to the back, it was like a 220s or 242 class, like at the top hundred. And I'm looking at these guys, I'm like, Jesus Christ! Like, how weak am I, you know? And I didn't realize that people were wearing suits and and shit like that. So, uh yeah, it's good. You know, I think it's, it may have a better crossover for uh, some athletes. Uh, but you know, as far as female lifting, you know, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't, again, I don't keep my ear to the ground for that stuff. But you know, I'm all for whoever, whatever you find your passion and you do. If you've got an outlet for it, I think it's possible. Awesome. That's you know, I'm saying I don't really have a dog in the fight. I don't really. The best way to say this is I'm really concerned with my lifting and trying to help others that maybe want my help. As far as what everyone else does, it doesn't really concern me that much. And I don't mean to sound like a kind of like a like I'm just passing off. It's just I've learned that you know, let other people do whatever they want to do. I'm I'm okay with it. So. But I do love watching some of the videos. I really do, just like you know, just like a fan would. You know, I think it's pretty impressive. I think it's good. You know, it's good for some of the younger lifters to see what these freaks are doing. So.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. Here's so. here's one that'll go off this one. Uh, you mentioned that you know you're worried about your lifting. So Ronnie is wondering how you manage training while juggling a business, a busy family, and all that.
2: There's one. One reason why and, and Phil you probably can guess this is my wife uh my wife does everything, and uh she uh she allows me to go out and pursue whatever I want, whether it be music uh writing uh the business- she handles it phil phil is probably the our the secret part of our business that does a ton of stuff, and so she's always in contact with so I don't you know i every once in a while I'll text Phil some business and I'll just forget about it so uh, but my wife pretty much makes everything happen. And, uh, really, it, it comes down to, like, if, if I'm going to really be more specific, is it comes down to whittling away the things in my life that I, that I kind of don't, uh, that are time wasters. And I only really do the things I really want to do. That, obviously, that, uh, I mean, of course, there's shit you have to do. But after that, if it doesn't, uh, I'm not sitting around, Slacking off, let's put it that way. Uh, if if I have some free time, I'm going to go do something that I really love to do, and so that ends up, I don't waste my time. I guess is the best way to say it. And but ha- having someone in your corner, uh, standing with you, and uh, you know, she's always call her. She's like my alibi. I know that if something happens to me, like you know, I commit a murder, she's going to make up an alibi. And that's the kind of person <laughs> you need to have in your life. And uh, you know, she really does. Pretty much turned my life around, so that's made the biggest difference. But you know, it's all about the, having the priority. It comes down is, is the, you know my family and the business, and uh, lifting and music. That's pretty much all I do. And if it doesn't really involve those two things, or those three things, and four, I guess if you you know, uh, then I just kind of let it go. So it's 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 all about just kind of whittling shit down. And so Phil uh, knows that probably better than anyone. I'm just really, if I don't want to do something, I just don't do it. So <laughs> sorry, Phil. I know you always have, like these great ideas for me, and Juliet's like,
0: Dude, no, don't right, ask so. him.
2: He's awful. Yep. So, it's, it's but good. I'm also in the position to do that probably more so than most people. But you know, you work work to get there. So, i bet you yeah, know, boy. Phil and I talk a lot about having like an end goal in our lives. You know, him and I have talked about this, and uh, it's you know, that's kind of something that Juliet and I, you know, that's my wife, you know, have mm-hmm. always we strive for. So mm-hmm. there you go.
1: We touched on music a bit. Let's go with that. Um, what is on your playlist of Late in the Gym?
2: Uh, what well, I listen to the gym is what I listen to, and and so it just comes down to... Uh, there's a lot of choice out there, Phil. So what I did was I I kind of took the idea that when I grew up, I didn't have much money, so I get, like, one CD every, like, six months, and I'd listen to it five million times. Mm-hmm. So I, know, I have probably... 10 million CD so I just kind of whittled everything down I just listened to Dragged in the Sunlight Buried at Sea coffin Warm and Indian and I Hate God that's it and uh those 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 bands pretty much make up the entirety now Juliet and I trained together today so I put on uh, I usually put on Indian which she doesn't mind even though it's abrasive as fuck but we tried Caius out today she wanted to hear something a little mellower so we did some Caius but yeah it's just slow and low and satanic that's kind of what I like <laughs> so, although Kyess is far from that. so But there you go.
1: Uh, a question about Locust Whip. Anything yeah. more on
2: that? Uh, Joey is making... Actually, I spent... Uh, it was up until 5 this morning uh, writing some stuff and recording some stuff. Uh, but Joey's coming down, I think, in three weeks. And uh, we're going to enter a studio this... Uh, not this year, I don't think. But uh, maybe early next uh, 2014. We already have probably five complete songs and i have probably uh, i don't know maybe about 75 different riffs already written I and mean, i got i that's all i you know when i have a riff i just pick up my acoustic guitar and and i record it on my iphone i send it to joey and he just tells me how much it doesn't suck which makes me feel bad or feel good i should say so yeah i mean I, i'd say this year or i mean uh 2014 uh but we you know i'm gonna tell you something it's been a uh it's been a lifesaver for me, having that, because it's, it's an outlet that I can uh, create, you know. And I, if I don't create, I feel like I'm just losing losing steam in my life, whether it be writing or reading or, you know, trying to do something like that and uh, music. So,
1: um, How much of a role do you think drugs play in powerlifting? Drugs? Yeah.
2: Uh, zero. And, zero? Uh, yeah, because you don't need them. I mean, all yeah. you really need is a singlet. Uh, to compete right I mean you don't even need a belt um, now to be successful as in how one would define success as like being a world record holder there are some obviously that can get away with not doing drugs uh, but for the most part uh, to be honest, the honest you know, question is or honest answer is uh, the guys at the top you know who are doing some freak weights are using something it's I mean whether or not you want to do it or not I don't think it uh, you could still be successful without it. Just, you know, for most people, if you want to lift the freak weights, if you don't have the genetics, you got to get the generics, right? Louis Louis Simmons always said that. Uh, yeah. So, but, you know, you can still compete and still be very, very, very strong uh, without it. It's just going to take uh, some more time, you know, and that's one of the things I think that's indicative of the society is, you know, People don't realize that, you know, 15 or 20 year commitment is nothing yeah. and they don't want to wait that long. And I can understand to a certain degree, you know, when I was growing up lifting, I wanted to bench, you know, 900 pounds right away and i wanted to do all this stuff. But, you know, when you look back a little bit, uh, all those years of building a base without drugs, uh, is, is did me very, very, very well. Yeah. And I uh, wish more people would take that, but yeah, I mean. Just like you look at bodybuilders, I mean, it, it's not, I mean, guys are, you know, 290 pounds, 275 pounds on stage. I mean, you don't think GH and insulin and, and anabolics don't play a role. I think one so. of the
1: best things I've seen was uh, John Cook's little book. I, I tracked down a frickin' copy of it, and it was from 1979 or whatever the hell it was. And he goes in there and lays out everything, and mean and he talks about drugs, and he's like, well, you, know, you can do damn well without drugs. now." And he just says, if you want to be top ten in the world, just realize you're going to have to do what they're doing. Yeah. You know? So, I mean, it's it just the steps you want to take. And, yeah, I mean, I, I know, I personally know some very strong people who who don't use, but everybody thinks they do. Yep. Uh, and, and, and nobody wants to believe it. And nobody, you know, we've talked about this before. Everybody thinks you're on anyways. So who cares?
2: Yeah. yeah no. <laughs> well, wow. I mean, the the problem the, therein lies the, the problem is is not some. It's you know, do you, why do you care what someone else really thinks? And yeah. I, I think to a certain degree, you maybe have that pride or something. But after a while, it's you know, there is their opinion really worth a shit that you're going to get all yeah. outraged about something. So uh, if,
1: you're, you know, if there's some kid that's lifting four hundred five and you're lifting four fifteen, he's going to claim you're you're on. Yeah, because you're lifting right and, uh, <laughs> there's yeah, no way you could
2: work harder than me. None. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: But yeah, um, the second part to that question: Do you have any thoughts of the five-three-one program for an enhanced versus natural lifter, specifically in regards to volume on the assistance work?
2: None. You know, here's a big mistake everyone makes: is everyone will take a drug or take a supplement and think that because they're taking X. Whatever it is, this is the kind of testosterone that they should do more when in reality you should do what you usually do and just do it better, okay that doesn't you know just because you take triatin doesn't mean that all of a sudden you can do a billion things more, why don't you do what you usually do and just do it better yeah. and that's uh you know, I wish you know and I, I made that mistake many times you know you you feel like you're, you're like, oh, I can do you know a hundred million sets when you realize you know, why don't I just do what I usually do and just do it really, really, really good? And, you know, it, <clears throat> do steroids help your recovery? Yeah, to a certain degree, but at the same point, uh, you know, you're still a human being and you still have to recover and there's other shit that goes into that besides just taking steroids. You don't, I mean, there's diet and sleep and stuff like that that will make a difference. So, uh no, I don't think you should change anything. You know, I think that's it's that's a common... Uh, I mean you can go ahead and try but you, it'll backfire let's just put it that way I so, guess you, everyone needs to learn for themselves but that's my my feelings towards it you know you're better off doing what you're doing better here's
1: you know. a good one um, uh, the decline in masculinity how can we stop it <laughs> how can you can't
2: you know and that's, uh, <laughs> you know the, the best way to do it is to have kids and And influence that your children, whether it be you know uh a young son or a young daughter, and uh, go from there but you know there's uh, I always like to say that you're you don't need to change the world to make a difference you know, and uh sometimes just making sure your kids are taken care of and, and you you know address the the principles that you believe in but uh dude, that's like a losing fight that's like trying to start a political revolution in the United States, it's just not going to happen, you know, and it's okay. You just got to have to come to grips with it. And, uh, I guess the best way to say it is influence those you can. And, uh, look, you know, the other way I look at it too, is like, you know, my young son just walked out here. I'm outside right now. And, you know, I want him to be very successful, but in order for him to be very successful, a lot of people have to lose. So the more people that are losers, the better, (laughs) (laughs)
1: while we're on the kids thing um there's a question of what you feel is the best age to start a young kid lifting
2: uh I, you could start at any age i mean it just depends on the coaching and that's the, yeah. the biggest thing is you know i had my uh my mason was like six he was training uh, but he had like a lighter barbell. He had, you know, really light, extremely light plates. And, uh, so, and so, you know, people always ask, you know, what are you doing with your son? It's, it's not, you can't just say, well, he does this, 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 and this, you know, or, you know, he goes up this much in weight. It, you have to be, I guess the best way to say it is, he can start as young as your coaching experience will let. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense to you? I, yeah, I totally so, agree. I totally agree. Yeah, there's, there's, you know, and but when you really start, you know, pushing and stuff is pretty much around when puberty starts. Then you can start maybe pushing a little bit here and there. Um, And you know, you obviously will know that by the change of their voice and stuff like that. But uh, before then, you can definitely train them. It just has to be done very carefully. The other thing I think people really, really, really miss the boat on when they train their kids is. You know, training them with, you know, they may teach them how to deadlift or press and power clean or whatever. They don't teach them some of the best stuff they can do, like tumbling, jumping, running. Yep. Uh, we do agility work. We do like small cone drills. We do what I call, you know, we race around the house. And we have, I have the dad timer. You know, the dad timer starts, uh, he gets better and better every time he goes around, you know, mysteriously. Uh, just because my, you know, my stopwatch seems to work a little differently every time he goes around. Um, you know, just simple races between trees, you know, little obstacle course and stuff, stuff that you develop, uh, I call like it's almost athletic training, I guess you'd say. And I don't have any grand plans for my sons to be great athletes, uh, because I want them to choose whatever path they want to choose. However, whatever path they choose, I want physical fitness to be part of their lives. And because I believe it to be that important, obviously I made a career out of it and, so if they choose to be a painter, I want them to be a strong, you know, they don't have to be a uh, bench pressing 500 pounds before they, you know, paint their masterpiece, but they need to be able to, to strength train and they need to be able to be in good condition because I think that feeds into the mind. You know, I always tell my, my, uh, my oldest son, you got to be strong here and I point to my arm and I am strong here and I point to my head. So those two things, you know, so to answer the question, if you're a good enough coach, you can train them right away. Just make sure you're a good enough coach.
1: No, I agree. And I mean, I'll add in because I've been, you know, my daughter's been in the gym since birth. And yeah. she's lived it. And so she, I mean, she, I guess you could say she started training as soon as she could move.
0: Yeah. But
1: it was, she was just mimicking what we did. And yeah. we allowed her to do that. At first, I made a little bar out of PVC that weighed like three pounds. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she'd throw that over her head. by the age of four, she was she deadlifted 85 pounds weighing 35, but she didn't, I didn't, we, we never sat down. Okay. We're doing five sets of three. Yeah. She just messed around with weight and we'd tell her if her form was good or bad and she wanted to do it in good form. And we just didn't let her go heavy, you know, and then she'd go climb a tree and tumble and ride her dirt bike, you know, and things like that. The the biggest thing I think with kids is not, you got to keep it fun for them still. I mean, a five-year-old doesn't need to be, we're going in the gym for an hour. And you're yeah. gonna do this, damn it! You know uh, it's that's no way to get him into fitness for life. They're just gonna hate it. Um,
2: the uh, the the thing I always, you know I I <clears throat> with my oldest we still I have to kind of program a little bit as far as when he goes in, but it's never. He asked, like, "When are we gonna train?" Cause we know once we train, we can do whatever the hell we want the rest of the day. He knows that, uh, but I want it to become a habit. And when I was growing up, I'd always my parents. You know, obviously they're not like power lifters or Olympic lifters, but they train every single day. And I saw that growing up, so I thought that was normal. So everyone trained. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the best influence you have is, you know, showing the kids that you take it seriously. And this may sound kind of back-ass words in a way, but, you know, you want to make it fun, but at the same time, even if they don't like it, you gotta have to, you're the parent, you know. And just because, yeah. because a kid doesn't really like something doesn't mean they, they don't do it. Uh, yeah. You know, being uncomfortable in this society is is frowned upon these days. And sometimes you got to do some shit that you don't want to do. Like, you know, sometimes I make my son push the prowl. He fucking hates it. You know? <laughs> and he gets upset about it. And, and we don't do it all the time. But sometimes I'm like, dude, you're going to have to do it. Like, that's, this is your your knit and no. grit time. And he learns something, you know? And... I'm not saying to go out there and bull with them every time, but uh, you know there's a lot of influence on children these days and kids. And I'm not saying I have the best or the I I have all the right answers, but they're a lot better than what are being offered. Let's put it that way. There's an old saying like you know who am I to judge? Well, if I don't judge, then someone less qualified will. Like if I don't influence my kids, then someone much less qualified will and uh but it's amazing you talk about like my uh my youngest son loves music and the only reason why because he sees me playing the type he can play the drums uh and he tries to sing he, you know he's got his own drumsticks but just because mm-hmm. that's all he sees me do so the same thing with training you know it's the best yeah. influence is you yeah so, all right so no,
1: yeah I, to- I totally agree oh i had one and i lost it. here's one um a 47-year-old guy, it, should a 47-year-old guy go for the six-weeks cycle, skipping every other deload as described in Beyond 5-1, mm-hmm. or should they play it safe and stick to the original e-book's way?
2: Uh, well, it kind of depends on his training experience. I and mean, it's, it's kind of a vague question. I mean, what if this 47-year-old has been training for 25 years, uh, or did he just pick up weights? If he, just, if he, if he doesn't know, here, how about this? Since he's asking the question, he doesn't know the answer. Just stick to the original. You know, That's three right. weeks, on a big load, So, there. Yeah, that that kind of, he answered his own question, my question, through his question. So, yeah, the, <coughs> just stick to the original program. When in doubt, just do the basics. it will always get you where you want to go. Here's,
1: uh, I got two questions about popular culture or life. All right. What do you think about Miley Cyrus?
2: Miley Cyrus. I don't know. <laughs> Who's oh she's the uh, Hannah Montana chick, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, I
1: don't know what am uh,
2: I what am I supposed to think about Miley Cyrus. I
1: don't know, she had a big debacle on that. No, the the other one was somebody wants to know your thoughts on the uh the happenings in Syria.
2: Uh where I'll be honest, I don't really watch any news. I didn't someone <laughs> they, they, i we're very secluded here. Uh, I think in Syria they had, uh, they had a, the, the bomb of the gas, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Well, I don't know what am I supposed to say. Like, it's good uh-huh. or bad? I mean, it's bad, right? I don't know. It's <laughs> kind of a weird question, right? It's yeah. like being like, are you against uh, literacy or for it? <laughs> I, don't, I mean, it, it seems kind of a black and white issue, doesn't it? <laughs> right? Yeah. You like the know. Catholic Church cover-up? You know? <laughs> yeah, I think it's fantastic. I think, I think Penn State had it right too. Yeah. Uh, I don't. Do you hear about the
1: latest? No, they're speaking of that. No, oh, I better not get religious on us. No, you um, can. No. <laughs> it'll, it'll just all all go bad. Here, here's late. the thing: is, is
2: is something I've learned is. Uh, you know, whatever you're being told, you're only getting told about a quarter of the story. So I don't, you know, we can speculate all you want uh, about what happened in Syria and, and all that stuff. But, you know, I don't know really what the question is. You know, my thoughts is obviously it's not a good thing. But after that, you know, I don't know. You know I don't know the whole story. And no one does. So... You know, it's kind of a. You know, I'm just a dude who lists
0: weights in Ohio. You know. Yeah, you know. Can I interject? I, I like you, Jim, but why are they asking you about this stuff? <laughs> yeah. They must well, really value your opinion. Yeah.
2: yeah. I you know the, one thing that's like
0: when the uh,
1: movie stars weigh in on their political opinions. Yeah. Yeah. Like, maybe yeah. They just want to set
0: him off, you know, because they know. Yeah, don't don't in.
2: ask me. My my political opinions are bad. Don't. Uh, <laughs> And just constantly um, getting raped by this government. So, yeah.
1: you know. Uh, here we go. Um, the increase in popularity of hormone replacement therapy amongst younger male lifters. Good or bad?
2: Good. What's wrong with testosterone? <laughs> like, what, what's, what's the. Uh, I mean, can you believe we live in a society that damns you for wanting to be more manly? Mm. And so what if you got a little more of an edge? Like, is that uh, – I just don't understand, like, why that's even an issue. And if it's – why the hell would someone else care what I do about, yeah. you know, g- having more boners? Does that make you feel bad that i got a bigger boner than you? You know? Because <laughs> I have a springboard. That makes you feel upset? You know, it's – it's you know, and the, I would as <clears throat> judging, I'm sure Lonnie can uh, probably back you up, back me up is, you know – People, you know, how they, the, the sperm count in America, let's say, what is normal always goes down in accordance to what is technically normal. So if in the 1950s the sperm count was a 1,000 per, you know, whatever, uh, instead of trying to do something about getting it back to there, now the, the norm is now 400, now that's the norm. And now we just think, oh, you know, low testosterone, what we thought was normal testosterone, is now, you know, what we thought was low testosterone is now normal. So why don't you just take a bump up, man? It doesn't matter. I I explained that very poorly. So, but yeah, and it's, it's it take shit. Who cares? Who cares what other people think? You know? So it's just like, you know, in Major League Baseball, Ah, oh, it drives me bananas. You got all these fat dudes on TV, you know, getting all upset about some other, some other guy, you know?
1: Yeah, cheating in, a, in baseball. Yeah.
2: Yeah, what the how? What the fuck do they know? They they have been they've done nothing their whole life, you know. So, and they're over there criticizing another person. They don't even have the perspective on what it is to be like, like the Johnny Mandel thing. Uh, you know, if someone else was getting, they have no idea what it's like to have their autograph mean something to someone because so no one cares about them. You know, so oh well. All right, there we go. <laughs> But how how the hell, what? Phil, would you know what it's like to win the Heisman Trophy and be adored by an entire state and an entire uh you know, I don't know what it's like. Do you Phil? Yeah. You? No. When you when yeah. you won the Heisman Trophy, tell me about your experience. <laughs> so uh, whatever. So uh, all right.
1: What what do you feel are reasonable standards of strong for a raw lifter?
2: Uh Okay, well well let's just say the um not for the general population, for the for the guy that really wants to be a freak, right? Yeah. Okay, let's just go with that. I would say to be strong it's uh three times body weight squat and deadlift, two times body weight bench. That's what I think would be strong. So, you know strong. that's fucking strong, you know? Yeah. And uh I'm sure some people, obviously people have an argument against that, but, uh, you know, that doesn't mean that people who don't lift those aren't, but that I think you gotta have some kind of high, high expectations. And, uh, I, I don't put, consider myself very strong, cause I don't, I don't, you know, I've only met, uh, two of those in my life, so, but not at the same time. So yeah, definitely three times squat, deadlift, and two times, uh, bench press. Let's see here. Simple of a,
1: ah simplification and training economy appear to be your specialty. I'd love to hear your thoughts on getting the most out of the least and how little you need to be strong. Meaning you don't need five exercises done for five sets of 10 reps. Jim has a way of seeing through all the bullshit and cutting to the basics.
2: Okay. Uh, so what's the question
1: then? Um, he just wants to hear you talk about okay uh, training economy.
2: Uh, okay. Okay. Um. I wrote like five books on that, I think. Yeah. Uh, how do you get that? Here,
1: here you go. I,
2: I, yeah. How do you get the
1: most out of the least?
2: I don't know. I mean, well, that's kind of like
1: you said it. You said it earlier. I mean, you. I guess. I mean, if I can
2: answer. No, it's
1: fun to throw out the bullshit, and
2: you know. Yeah, I mean, the the, the problem is that there's always going to be you know a little. There's always going to be a little, uh there's a lot of gray area in there, too. But for the most part, from the, the general public, not the general public, but the, the general population that we're working with that want to be strong, uh, I don't think you need to be doing as much as people think. And I think that largely has to do with uh most of our strength training knowledge comes from a bodybuilding background okay, in the United States. Um and I think, you know, you have all these, you know, a million exercises done for a million reps. And uh, I don't think you really need to do as much as you. do. I think one of the, and I mentioned this with the kid thing, is I think one of the biggest problems people have uh, with training is they limit their strength training to just the weight room. Uh, and, of course, that's where you're going to get strong. But in order to, to perform well in the weight room, you need to perform well in other areas. And I, I cannot emphasize how important it is to be fast when you sprint and do jumps and do different kinds of med ball throws and stuff like that, uh, because that will carry over better the weight room than anything else than, you know, than farting around on a, on a bunch of different exercises. You know, what's more important doing, you know, 10 sets of curls or doing a couple sets of curls and then doing, uh, you know, box jumps or hurdle, you know, hurdle jumps or, uh, overhead med ball toss and stuff like that. So, um, I think the, the the idea of training economy isn't is obviously isn't new or or anything like that. But I think a lot of it has to do with me coming from a different background than uh, the majority of them. I guess how American strength training has has evolved over the years. Uh, so, but what I'm doing is, I mean, what I'm teaching is, isn't anything new. Uh, you know, throwers uh, have done this for years. Football players have done this for years. Um, obviously. You know, at the York days, you know, they didn't fart around a lot with a lot of different exercises. They did the main exercises and did them well. And they also, you know, stretched and and did sprints and jumps and stuff like that, especially some of the throwers, the most explosive guys I've ever seen. You know, shot shot putters, discus throwers, javelin throwers. And uh, those guys trained, uh, I guess you would call it out of the box compared to what people call strength training. Now, people would see these amazing shot putters they see how explosive they were, how big they were, and they would just look at what they did and lift in the weight room, but they didn't realize that there was more to their training than, than what there is. So I guess what I'm trying to say is, yes, overall, in a weight room, they might look less than what a typical workout would look like, but then you, you have the other shit added in, too. And uh, you need to realize that, you know, that's stressful also. So that's part of the training, too. There you go.
1: What is... What are your favorite methods for recovery and de-stressing? What is a perfect recovery day for you?
2: Sleeping all day. <laughs> uh, uh, recovery is uh, easy. Uh, I always I ride the Airdyne every single day. That makes a huge difference uh, in recovery. Um, obviously, sleep. And the best way I, I can't I don't sleep very much. I just can't sleep. My mind's working all the time, so. Uh, I take a D12 and ZMA from Biotest and that, you know, allows me, even if I only sleep a couple hours, it allows me to sleep fairly heavy. Uh, and, uh, but you gotta stay a little active and you gotta take your mind off training sometimes. And that's where like the music comes in and my wife and I are obsessed with the watching movies and stuff like that and just kind of detoxing the mind from training. So, but you gotta stay active and the Aerodyne has been a just just a great thing for me cause it it's you know, my legs still have to have to work. Obviously you upper body works a little bit here and there. But it, it just kinda zone out for a while and it's kinda nice. And it doesn't take anything away from my lift. I ride the air before I train. You know, I don't have any ill effects. So um
1: I think that's interesting. I think some of the best recovery crap I've done is not is not just sitting on your butt.
2: No, you get you, out did you, did you, did do something
1: did you, did you, semi-active, like I don't know, go out and fricking go walk with your kid, yeah, <laughs> play something, move around, and uh, you know, yeah. some
0: activity that has no real goal, I guess.
2: hmm uh,
0: You know, with all the people? with all the like um, vasodilation products and NO products and stuff, they're trying to open up your vascular beds and stuff. What do you think? What do you think going to do for you? You know, it's the same thing. You're going to get increased blood flow, help recovery. I'm not going to bore you guys with the details, but Priscilla Clarkson, who is sort of a muscle recovery expert, God, 20 years ago, she was showing stuff like when you are immobile and you don't move, a lot of the the turnover process in muscle almost comes to a halt. And then when you actually move around, the whole process, it's like out with the old, in with the new, you know? And it's it's just sort of logical, I think.
2: Yeah. I, I... the thing is, is I keep all my recovery out of the weight room. You know, some people go in for extra workouts, yeah. but what I, it's kind of like, you know how you, there's an old, you never want to sleep while you study. You never want to study in bed. Yeah. So when, when I walk into the weight room, that's, it's like game time. You know, it's, yeah. and, and so when I'm recovering, I stay out of the weight room all the time. Uh, so, you know, if I got to go do some extra work, even if I got to do some like rotator work, I'll grab the shit in the weight room and do it in the house. Uh, it sounds ridiculous, but a mental game for me is a huge, huge part. And, uh, you know, so, but yeah, it's just, you know, the other thing that helps recovery is just being consistent with your training. Uh, and uh, that makes a huge, huge difference. So, there you go. If you could go back
1: and change anything from your training in the past, what would it be?
2: Oh man.
1: Or what was your biggest aha moment you had when lifting?
2: The biggest aha moment I had when I was lifting was uh or was, I mean it's been a couple. Was when we started working with the five through one program. Uh when we it took about a year and a half to figure out how to properly use a training match. And I could not believe that we could use, you know, like a 90% to 85% of your, your competition of what you can, you know, go peaked out in training max and use that and still get way, way stronger. And that was a huge, huge moment. And I really, really, really wish I had grasped that concept Uh sure. Um, when I was in high school. Because the problem you have when you have a beginner is you yeah. have all this enthusiasm and then you hit a brick wall, right? And you have none of the experience or knowledge to get past that. None. So you're just racking your brain. Now, when you get a little bit older, you know, you have more shipping, you know, like, well, if this happens, I know I can do this and this. And uh so I wish I would have grasped that concept much, much earlier. And I, it was staring me in the face, and I just never really saw it. You know, so you're always just pushing in the red, pushing in the red, pushing in the red, and you don't realize that you can just kind of back off and, and train smarter and then you get better results. So... I think people confuse having, using a lighter train, Max, as, as pushing out in the weight room, and it's not the case, you know, yeah. because I think too many people train for the day and don't train for the year or train for yeah. the decade, and that's a very American thing. You know, like, no pain, no gain, you know, and so they'd have one great workout, then they can't do shit for the next two weeks, you know, and uh so how, how far is that going to get you, so, you know, and I so you know that. You know, I, every time, you know, Phil will tell me, you know, what he did in his training and stuff. And I'm always, I'm my own worst enemy, but I always try and make, you know, make sure you don't, don't be fucking stupid. Yeah. I always right. Yeah. <laughs> it's my yeah. first thing to Phil every time. All right, don't be a fucking idiot, Phil. <laughs> uh, because Phil, <laughs> you know, the, the stronger you get, you know, obviously the, the less percentage of a train max you really need to use. Um, yeah. So, but, uh, yeah, no, know, and that's it's, like, it's, as far as, you know, what I would change, you know, what the, the, there's not a lot I would change. I'm very, very, very glad that I had someone, uh, in my corner when I was in high school to teach me not about, you know, how to squat or how to do an exercise, but he, he taught me how to think through the training. And that was the biggest thing. And that was a huge influence. And it frustrated the fuck out of me because I, I just wanted the, the black and white answer, but he taught me how to think through it. And, uh, that was a huge thing. So. I don't I don't regret anything, dude. I'm I'm exactly
1: where I want to be, you know. So, well, and that's uh, I think we've talked about it before. It's I don't know if you can skip that crap. You can't. You know, you there's no way to really. I mean, all you can do is you know hopefully find people like your book and stuff like that to get the information out there a little better nowadays. But you're gonna fuck up in the waiting room, and that's all part of it. You have to go through that to finally get to the. Especially when you're a twenty year old kid full of piss and vinegar, you're gonna
0: want to go in there and just kill yourself. You know, Phil, my, yeah, gonna my mom used to say there are some things you just gotta live through. You know, so you can sure. read it in a book and that kind of stuff, but if you've got a mentor, you know, barking in your ear or if you are a buddy or you live through it yourself, like you said, five I used to do like a four on or five on, one off split. I would exercise constantly for three hours a day. You know how come I'm not gaining weight? You know, oh, I forgot I got track practice. You know that kind of stuff. I, yeah. You know, and it's just ridiculous. But you live through it, and then you're like forehead smacking all over the place.
1: There. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's tough. I mean, yeah. I mean, I got two torn biceps and a freaking hip that shot. But I'm still stronger than I've ever been. Do yeah. I ever regret doing that stuff? No. I learned from everything. I learned from all of it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I learned, fuck, don't do that anymore. You know, and so, yeah, that's a tough one. I mean, I don't think you can, you can't skip past that stupidity. I mean, there's, you know, there's,
2: Uh obviously, there's always stuff that you wish you could change, you know, a little bit here and there, but the overall experience has been, has been great, and I'm glad, uh, you know, just having, uh, even getting hit by a, a car, you know, two years ago on a motorcycle has been a... An awesome training experience. I mean, I've had a literally gone through a million ideas and stuff like that, and I finally stumbled, finally got to something that kind of worked. And I'm like, you know, it was an awesome, you know, did I lose some time? Yeah, but I, the knowledge I gained was, was irreplaceable. And, uh, you know, and you try to, you know, it's funny because you, even when you do try and share the knowledge with people, you know, and then they get
0: all mad about it.
2: You know, it doesn't. Yeah. That's not how it is. It's like, all right, you know, go ahead, that's cool, <laughs> whatever you want to do, man. Yeah, but,
0: you'll find out if you're if you stick around long enough. You'll live through it.
2: Yeah, you know, and uh, so you just kind of, you know, I imagine it's much like being a parent. You know, I know I drove my dad nuts. You know, and uh, you know, I had to find out for myself all kinds of different shit. And you know, I just like ah, I should have listened. He's like, eh, you know, what are you gonna do? <laughs> Here's an interesting stuff. one.
1: Um, This isn't from them. This is from me. Uh, Do you find that people listen to you more now? Well, do people take your advice better when they buy your book than they do when you give it to them free on the internet?
0: uh,
2: I I don't know. I mean, I don't know how many. You know, I can't. You'd be surprised how many illegal downloads. uh, Oh yeah. But I I mean, the the, the point is, is. is is something that you've you've earned worth more than something you've been given, and that's mm-hmm. it's that's what the overall thing that you're trying to say is um yeah. without a doubt you know it's it's kind of like uh if you were given a car by your parents and you've done nothing to earn it, you're going to treat it like shit you know you don't care now, if you worked for two summers in a row you know shoveling shit at the sewer factory uh, to buy that clunker of a car, you're going to treat that clunker of a car like it's gold. And, uh, because you burned it. And I think that that holds true with just about anything. So, you know, it's just like, you know, even if like you're not the strongest dude in the world, let's say, and you worked your ass off for years and you finally benched 275, you know, it may not be a world record, but you own that, you know, that's yours. You worked so hard to get there and, uh, you can't take that away. And, uh, So, yeah, I mean, anything that you invest in, you know, whether it be just a little bit of money or if it, you know, be all the time and and effort uh, and your obsession, then, yes, of course it's going to be worth much, much more.
1: We've got just a couple minutes left. What what do you got coming up, if anything,
2: Uh, as
1: far as fitness related?
2: Yeah. um, I'm working with T Nation right now. We're doing a huge uh, kind of a, a different type of training program that I've developed and uh they're going to launch that and there's going to be uh, like a forum dedicated to that. I think John Meadows has something on there. Uh and then right now I finally came up with a new idea for a book. Uh and so it's going to take a while to get there. Uh but it's the 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 running title right now is called from uh, average to athlete. And we're going to go about some of the different stuff uh related Besides the strength training portion, of course, that's going to be in there. Um, for the person that wants to be, become faster and more explosive and some of the different shit that I've done all over the years and how to implement it in your training without it being just a big clusterfuck, you know, just kind of what I do with the 5 to one program. But I'm very excited about that. That's something I'm, i I've, I've, I've much more interest in that than I do with yeah. a lot of other stuff. You know, uh, there's only so much you can write about doing the fucking agile hype, right, you know. Like, Joe DeFranco <laughs> pretty much nailed, hit it out of the park, that shit's done. You know, people yeah. ask all these questions, it's like, just do fucking that, and do that three times a day for two weeks and you drink it. So, but this is something I, you know, uh, I think is untapped because I, you know, I see a lot of shit that's been out there about, you know, this and that and it's, it, it just, <clears throat> it's not good, let's put it that way. Yeah. So I kinda wanna put some real life stuff in there. So it's going to cover everything from you know sprints to um, you know, different drills you can do, um, and stuff that anyone can do. It's not going to be like you know you got to go out to Russia and find this peak, yeah. <laughs> <coughs> or you need to buy this
1: seven thousand dollar piece of equipment. To yeah, to do yeah. It. You got to yeah.
2: buy a vibration platform. <clears> yeah. yeah. So, but yeah, that's you know, and uh, we got you know we got some. New, I I I have a new. I think I texted you about the new shirt, or did I? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. A new yeah. shirt
2: coming out, uh, and uh, I'm trying to think of anything else. But the, the new book is going to take up the majority of the of yeah. my time and stuff. And uh, I don't know. We were thinking about putting a DVD together, but I don't think that's going to happen. Um, I know. I think you you were talking about that. Um,
1: yeah, I think we talked about that a couple times.
2: Before. Yeah. So. But, uh, I mean, we still have footage and stuff. I just don't know. It's just not, I don't know if it's a big market for a DVD. So, that shit ends up on YouTube in 10 minutes anyway. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. You know, it's just, uh, but whatever. You have any suggestions, Phil? I don't know. What else can I do? I don't know. I don't know. Uh,
1: Anything? we got something about the 531 app. Any more news on that?
2: Uh, yeah, I'm not gonna do one
1: yeah there you go. Okay.
2: There's a long story behind that, but I learned my lesson very quickly I'm, yeah i I get some tremendous amount of hate mail about not doing that, but uh you know I learned very to stick with what I know and yeah. uh, stick to to who I am and my vision, and that's just not part of it and that's okay you know and, and people get upset about that, but they have to live with it, not me so. <laughs> Eh, so. No, I think
1: that's good. I think we can call it there. I think it was a good show.
2: Yeah, I appreciate it, Phil. Let me. Uh, I'll talk to you. It's funny because I've, I've been so of those. Phil's like the head dude uh, I go to with everything. And I've probably talked to Phil on the phone maybe six times in my life. So
1: <laughs> it's so. always emails,
2: texts. Yeah. yeah. So, so. I've talked to my wife three times on the phone in three years. So. <laughs> I can't stand talking on them.
1: That'll work, man. Um, keep it up and uh, tell the family hi. All,
0: All right, right. I appreciate it. I'm not, I'm Lonnie, sorry, a thank you too. Yeah. Well, thanks for coming on. It's nice to hear what you're yes, up to. Sir. I know we can catch up. Yep. But, uh, and thank so. you to everyone
2: for submitting the questions too. I appreciate it. So thank
1: you. Until next time, everybody, thanks a lot.
0: Take care. sort of public radio for the bodybuilding and powerlifting and strength community. Hey, ironradio.org listeners, this is Lonnie Lowry, and I'm just bringing you a sneak peek only for Iron Radio listeners at this point. If you Google CRC Press, Lowry, L-O-W-E-R-Y, and Protein, you can be some of the first people on the planet to see this book. It's specifically for strength athletes. Everything on the safety of high-protein diets, the efficacy, the dosing, the types, practical applications, and case studies. This is a textbook. It's not what I would call an industry book. This is not pseudoscience. This is the the state-of-the-art science. And if someone wants to critique you on your extra protein intake, this will be something you can hold up and say, this is what the literature says about stressed kidneys or bone loss or gout or dehydration or